Okay, turn with me to Ephesians 5, if you would. I want you to look with me there, if you would, in verse number 17. My heart's desire as your pastor is to give you some understanding about what the will of God is for your life. And we talked about some of those things this morning, and in length and in detail, in verse 17, he says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise. In other words, don't be foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And so it appears to me that God is more interested in me knowing His will than I am in knowing His will. And so let me do what I know, and then I think He'll tell me some things that I'm not sure about. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm not sure about what to do, and I need God to guide me and direct me and give me peace, whether it's purchasing something or going somewhere or doing something. Sometimes I'm just not sure, and I need peace about that. But I need to make sure that I'm in a place of obedience, I think, and submission that I'm already doing what I know is the will of God. So He'll tell me when I don't know what the will of God is. Do you understand? There's some things you just don't know. And you know what? There are some things that God just says, Hey, you make your choice. And you do what you want to do as long as you do it with the right attitude and the right spirit. Now, I want you to look with me in chapter number 6, and I, wanted to, I want you to see this final uh, point here about the will of God for all of us. And look with me in chapter number 6, and look in verse number 10. Now, this is not an option. You cannot be passive here. I beg you not to be. If you want your church to remain strong and go forward, you have to practice this. You have to. You must. The Bible says in chapter 6 and verse 10, He said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, this is an invisible enemy. I promise you it is not an imaginary enemy. They are relentless and they are merciless. And they hate you. And they hate the church of God. And I want you to look with me in verse 13. He says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And verse 14 says, Stand therefore. And I want the emphasis tonight to be that the will of God, He is concerned about our standing. And our understanding of the enemy. Remember, this is about our understanding. The Bible says in verse number 10, you must understand the source of your strength. This is an implication here of dependence. If you 
are prideful and you try to do this on your own, you will be overtaken. You will. As God is drawn to a humble heart, so the adversary is drawn to a proud heart. And the Bible says here, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. He is after your home. And and, and Brother Ron made a statement in the meeting, if you remember. He talked about that there was a war between God and the devil over a piece of ground. And he said that piece of ground is between your ears. The battleground is your mind. Would you please believe that? Would you please embrace that? I want you to notice in the scriptures. Now we're going to, I'm not going to go into detail about all of the armor. I'm going to show you a little bit about it. But here's what I want you to understand. Look in verse number 11. He said, put on the whole armor of God. So obviously, whatever the armor is, I need all of it. Amen. And that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And the word wiles, it refers to his subtlety and the schemes. Just like in the garden, when God made all those animals, all those animals, when he got through with them, he said, they are good. And that included, my friend, the serpent. And the serpent had something in its essence is not evil, but can be used for evil. And the adversary took the ability of the serpent to be subtle, because Jesus said, you and I are to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But the adversary took what was good and used it for evil in the subtlety and the wiles and the schemes. You know, look with me in chapter 2. Let me show you something here quickly. Look in chapter 2 and look with me in verse number 2. I guess I need to make sure that you do believe there is an enemy, an adversary, a living devil. I don't want to talk too much about him, but I do want you to be aware of him. Chapter 2, verse 2, look at what he says. He said, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. All right. Look in Ephesians chapter number 4, please, and look in verse number 27. Let's back up to verse 26 because they go together. He says, Be angry and sin not. So it is okay to be angry as long as I'm not being self-willed about it and as long as I am not crossing the line and really being angry over a selfish reason. And the Bible says here, be angry and sin not. In other words, I'm not getting my way. I'm mad because I'm not getting what I want. Be angry and sin not. He said, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Then he said, neither give place to the devil. So obviously, he believed that there was a real enemy. All right? And so when you get to chapter 6, 
He said, listen, I want to wind up this book. And, uh, and he talked to them about their riches in Christ Jesus and their redemption in Him and what He did for them, how much He loves them, how much they need the Holy Spirit of God to help them live. And then he says, but I want to remind you here at the end that you have an adversary and he is, he is subtle. And he is, he's got schemes and devices. And so, if you'll keep your hand right there, please, real quickly, I want to show you something. Turn with me to 1 Timothy. And uh, one of the things that, that I try to emphasize in pastor schools is uh, with Brother Ron and, and other places that I've taught in. First, look, in, look, keep your hand in Ephesians because we're coming back to this. And I'll tell you what, just move on because I've got another passage I want to go to. Go with me to 1 Timothy. Uh, in the book, of First Timothy, he's writing to this young preacher and young pastor, and he's telling him that God has not given him the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind in chapter in the Second Timothy. But I want you to notice in First Timothy, the emphasis as Paul is writing these letters to this young preacher, that he is revealing to him the adversary. Look in chapter one, verse twenty, real quick. He says, "Of whom is Hymenaeus?" And he's talking about guys who have gotten off track. And their faith is shipwrecked. He said in verse 20, Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, of whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. That's a strange verse of Scripture, isn't it? Look in chapter number 3. Look down in verse number 7. Here he's talking about a young preacher being a novice. Verse number 6 and verse 7. Not a novice, being lifted up with pride Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. If you would look in chapter 4 and look in verse number 1. He said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And when he wrote to him in Second Timothy, for second time, I won't ask you to turn there, but he encouraged Timothy to deal with a backslidden church member who is really a prisoner of war. He says, deal with them gently. Don't strive with them. Give them the truth that God may grant them repentance. He said that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. When you're out of the will of God, you will become, and when you're in the flesh, you can become a puppet and not even be aware of the fact that you're being manipulated and used by the adversary to cause confusion in the house of God. And that's what worldly wisdom is described as being devilish and sensual and creates confusion. It's easy for us when there's... A, a, a rift going on if it's black and white issue. The devil rarely, he rarely allows a rift in a church to be a black and a white issue. He rarely allows a disagreement between two ladies or two men to be a black and white issue where there's a right and a wrong, I mean just pure black and white. Usually there's a little gray there and so he wants to create confusion and division. And discouragement. So, that's why he says, listen, the battle is going to be right here. 
He said, you need to arm yourself. Look, you're in 2 Timothy. Turn just a few pages over to 1 Peter chapter number 4, and I'll show you there what it says about Jesus Christ. Look at this, what he says here in chapter 4, verse 1. God wants you to stand against the devil. He wants you to stand against the adversary. Chapter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise. Sounds to me like there may be a battle. Arm yourselves likewise with the same what? Mind. Your mind must be armed. It cannot be passive. He says, For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer shall live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but there it is again, but to the will of God. Jesus' mind was armed with a submissive will. The adversary has a very difficult time getting a hold of us and using us or, or, or creating chaos in our lives if we are submitted to the will of God. If you and I have a disagreement or a misunderstanding, my heart should be in submission to the Lord. Let's work this out if possible. If possible, let's work this out and let's forgive one another and let's press on. For the cause of Christ. So we've got to have this mind because he says here in verse 3, and I want to see, I want our young people to see this. He says, you know, and many of the adults here can relate to this because in our past, we did the will of the Gentiles. And the will of the Gentiles is basically this. He says, when we walk in lasciviousness and lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings and abominable idolatries. If you were not saved when you were in your youth and as you grew older, as a Gentile, you were taught basically uh, to live a wicked lifestyle according to the will of God, a partying and drinking and fornication. These things are promoted in our teen years as being normal and acceptable. And so when you get born again and you yield yourself to the Spirit of God, you are walking contrary to what the will of the Gentiles is. I'm telling you, Facebook, YouTube, Netflix, whatever out there, they think that what I'm saying right now is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And so you're going to have to realize, that's why it says they're going to think you're strange. So you better make your mind up that you're going to believe the Word of God over what they say. I need to hurry here. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is very important. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Because there is, I could preach a month on the adversary. There's so much to learn and to know about him. And I want tonight, though, to focus on just a couple of things about what Paul wanted for us concerning the will of God, our standing, our understanding. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, the war zone is your mind. You ever wonder where sometimes some of those ideas come from that pop into your mind? When the adversary came in the garden, he came with an idea. And he came with a suggestion. When you have a thought 
or a suggestion that comes into your mind that is going to create some doubt in your heart about what you know the Bible says, you can rest assured that is the devil. The, dev- the flesh is, is bad enough, but the flesh is going to cause you to doubt some things and lack confidence in the Word and the promises of God. Now watch what he says here. Look what he says here in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. He said, but the weapons, thank God we have weapons, of our warfare, and there is a warfare, are not carnal. You're not going to be able to stand and withstand the devil based upon your wit, your sharpness, your discipline, your education. It's going to be only with spiritual Weapons. Do you understand? You're fighting an invisible enemy. And if you yield to your feelings, your surmisings, your imaginations, your ideas, you will not be able to stand or to withstand the adversary. Now watch. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But he says that the weapons you do have are mighty. Through God. And one of the things that you'll have to continually do is pull down strongholds. You watch people who got their minds made up about something because they've gotten offended or they have believed a report about you or me or the church and they've accepted it as being true without doing any research, without checking out any facts, It is very, very difficult to break down and get through to that person. That is a stronghold. And their pride will keep them from admitting the very possibility that maybe they may have jumped to a conclusion or they might be wrong. Because that might mean they would have to humble themselves and they might have to say, I'm sorry, I I, I shouldn't have thought that about you and I shouldn't have jumped to that conclusion about you. Now watch. He says here, but really more than it is about us, it's about what you're thinking about God. God's faithful and God is good. And He's not going to explain to you why He allows some things to occur. Some things He's not responsible for that goes on. But look what He says here. He says, you and I have to cast down imaginations. Brother Ed said a long time ago, and I wrote it down in my Bible, he said, when situations are beyond explanations, he said, we must guard our minds against imaginations. Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity. How many thoughts? How many? Every one of them. It's amazing what I can, what can go through my mind while I'm singing before service. I can go through the motions of singing the song and my mind is battling this thought and that thought and this thought and that thought. I mean, and you don't sometimes see it, but I, hopefully you don't see it. 
you know. Uh, but I'm just saying that I have to pull that stuff back down and say, hey, man, you need to sing from your heart unto God and put that aside. I can always tell when the devil is sniffing around because he starts saying ugly things in my mind about the people that I love. He is an accuser. Do you understand? He is an accuser of the brethren. And so in your mind, you can, you can be, I can be shaving on Sunday morning, have a good morning of prayer and study and ready to come to church and you say, what about that? What about that? I say, I recognize you. You know why? Because you want me to think evil of my brother. And I have no facts. So go back to where you came from. And go to where you're going, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Yeah, I've told him that. I'll be honest with you. I have. But you know what? Those spirits are relentless. And they come at at, at strange times, but especially around uh, church activities, around church families, uh, around uh, revival meetings, around uh, missions conferences. It's all kinds of stuff, and he knows he's good at it. And he knows what he's doing. But those imaginations have every one of those thoughts. Listen, when I tell you that I love you, it's the truth. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart towards you. It's not a fleshly love. It's a godly love. And I'm amazed sometimes at how that I can think something that I know is not from the Lord. And I have to take that. And I have to, I have to exercise my will. I have to cast that thing aside and throw it down. I can't tell you how many times I've made myself miserable and there was absolutely nothing to what I was thinking. I'm sure that you don't have these issues, but I'm just telling you, this is the way he works. And when there is fear, and the Bible says that he will, Daniel said that one of his ways is to wear out the saints. Wear out the saints. That's not going to be for some of the younger ones here. That's going to be for some of you that have been with us for years and years. He'll wear you out. You get weary and tired of the battle, of the fight. And the Bible says here that you have to bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, what, is, what does that mean? Well, the book of Philippians tells you what kind of screen and filter to run it through. You don't think upon that which is true. If someone says something to you about someone that you may already be leaning toward not liking, you better put your guard up. Because you will be more easily swayed and receive that accusation and in your mind it becomes a truth and you don't want to check it out because you don't like that person to start with. And so you're kind of hoping it's true. You say, oh, no, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Holy Ghost wants you to give the person that you like the least 
in this assembly the benefit of the doubt on all rumors, surmises, accusations until you know the truth, the facts. Did you hear what I just said? You need to give each other the benefit of the doubt. You see, if you really like a person, I mean, you really like them, you'll be more apt to reject anything that's negatively said about them and you won't even check to see if it's true and you could be deceived even in that. You seek the truth. That's why he says, let's go back to the book of Ephesians real quick. I want to close this up, all right? Wait a minute, I still got 10 minutes. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter number 6. Look at this with me, please. Ephesians chapter number 6 here. The adversary promotes ideas. He uses images. There's some things that you have seen in your life that you'll never get out of your mind. That's why young men... Young ladies, be careful what you watch and what you look at on your phone or on TV or movies. These images, they don't go away. Some of you can still remember things that you saw when you were 13 or 14 and you're 50 years old. Images, your imagination. The adversary promotes fear, Nehemiah was wore out. with the, They came after him relentlessly with fear. What is going on in America, what is going on around the world is of the adversary. It is a spirit of fear. It is a spirit of fear. And it wears out the saints of God. He promotes confusion, division, and he promotes self-confidence. David got in trouble. The Bible says that Satan tempted devil, uh, excuse me, attempted, let me back up just a minute. Satan tempted David to count his army. And he knew if he could get David to do that, that he would bring the judgment of God upon Israel. What was wrong with David counting his soldiers? God told him, don't do that. And you know what? Sometimes when God tells you not to do something, He doesn't tell you why, but it'd be wise on your part that you just don't do it. But the Lord said, listen, I think it's, it's reasonable to understand that God did not want him to have confidence in his numbers. God wanted him to realize the battle was his and that God would fight for him. And sometimes what happens with us, we get a little bit overconfident If we become successful at something, or we start counting the money we have in the bank, or we start counting how many acres we have, or we start counting how many friends we have, or the people that we know in high places, and if you're not careful, you'll start leaning on the arm of the flesh because you've got this all figured out rather than constantly trusting in the hand of God because the Lord can turn everything upside down. All it takes is one lawsuit to wipe out everything you've got with a crooked lawyer on the other side. It can be gone. 
I mean, it's, it's amazing what can happen. But, but don't, I'm not talking about living in fear of that. I'm talking about you trusting the Lord. Uzziah was marvelously helped until he became strong. And then he got to thinking that he could do things that were not permitted for him to do. The resources here. Let's close with the resources God's given us. I am no match for the devil. You are no match for the devil. That's why we must hide ourselves in him. And we must put on the armor of God. This armor, really what it is, what it honestly is, You'll notice carefully, instead of looking at the, the type of armor of what it calls it, just look at what it is for just a moment, if you would. For example, he says in verse number 14, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with what? It's truth. 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 Truth frees the mind. It frees the conscience. It makes stronger relationships with people. The truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Don't worry about the breastplate. Worry about the word what? Righteousness. Do what is right from the heart unto the Lord. That preparation of the gospel of peace. He is referring to your standing in the gospel. Knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. And he spent the first couple of chapters trying to tell you that. How you have been adopted in the family of God. Chosen. Accepted. And that you have been acquitted of your past. That God has forgiven you. Boy, the book of Colossians is rich about what Christ has done for you. He has delivered you from the power of darkness. He's translated you in the kingdom of His dear Son. He has reconciled you to the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the devil does not want you. To understand who you are and what you are in Christ Jesus. Do I fail? Just like you do. Hopefully not as... I hope, I hope you don't take that wrong. We all fail. But my confidence is in my high priest and, my, and the propitiation for my sins. My advocate. Praise God. Like Brother Ron said, you may struggle with something, but don't quit. That preparation of the gospel of peace. I am standing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am in Him, and He is in me. Verse 16. But He says, above all. How about that? Above all. Don't worry about the word shield. Worry about the word faith. Because those fiery darts are going to come. And it is the sin of unbelief that does so easily beset us. Take the helmet of salvation. Salvation. Your deliverance. And it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God and prayer. Put these things on. I want you to take your hymn book for just a moment. We're not going to sing, but I want to show you something. You know, have you noticed that most of the old time hymns, have biblical doctrine in them. That's the reason why the Bible says the Holy Ghost wants you to speak to yourselves in Psalms. Why? Because Psalms promote God. Hymns promote doctrine and truth about God. And spiritual songs. That's some of the things that maybe some of the things we've written and made up ourselves, but they are spiritual in nature. 
And I want you to look with me in uh, on page number 536. 536. Look at... Um, when the guy wrote this, he's thinking about the power of the shield of faith. And I want you to look at each stanza and what it says and how it breaks down a stronghold of the adversary. Look at this. It says, have faith in God when your pathway is lonely. He sees and knows all the way that you have trod. When I read that, I think even immediately, I think about right now, Brother Walker. He's lonely. And he's hurting. And the adversary will be trying to throw those fiery darts at him. He says, never alone are the least of his children. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And while you may feel lonely sometimes, you are not alone as long as you belong to God. And you need to do like A.W. Tozer. He said, I talk back to the devil sometimes. And you need to tell him that. Look at number two. Have faith in God when your prayers are unanswered. Your earnest plea he will never forget. Wait on the Lord. Trust His Word and be patient. Have faith in God. He will answer yet. If you have an earnest plea, and you poured your heart out to God, and you know that your plea is not contradicting His will as far as you know, wait on the Lord. I love that acronym ASK, ask and seek and knock. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Keep asking. Number three, have faith in God in your pain and your sorrow. His heart is touched with your grief and despair. Cast all your cares and your burdens upon Him, and leave them there. Oh, leave them there. Does God care? Do we ever question that? Oh, when you're hurting real, real bad, real bad, you just might. I'm talking about when you're really hurting, or somebody that you love is really suffering and hurting, and you can't comprehend where the Lord is at that moment. Look at number four. He said, have faith in God, though all else fail about you. Have faith in God. He provides for His own. He cannot fail, though all kingdoms shall perish. And this is, again, bringing, breaking down a stronghold. He does rule over the kingdom of men. He reigns upon His throne. David, excuse me, Daniel said that God rules over the kingdom of men and sometimes He sets up the basis of men. And our present day White House is a perfect example of that. Watch what He says. Look at the chorus. Have faith in God. He's on His throne. Do you believe that? Have faith in God. He watches over His own. He cannot fail. He not only must prevail, He will prevail. Have faith in God. And listen, that's why He said, listen, above all, Just have some faith in God. And so I'm just saying to you tonight, 
that if you're going to be able to stand in these last days, you're going to have to have some faith and confidence in the Lord. Let's read these verses again, and we'll pray and go to the house, all right? I pray that you would uh, put on your armor. He said in verse 11, he says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Here's the warfare weapons. They are mighty. Put on the whole armor of God. Reminds you of the enemy in verse 12. Verse 13, he wants you to put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand. And having done all to stand, I hope and pray you'll still be in church, still be in the will of God, still pursuing the will of God. Who was the brother that was in Thailand that died last year, the missionary? What was his name? Tillman. You know, but he was in his 80s. You know how many stents he had in his heart? Thirteen. Thirteen. He just kept pressing on, asking God for a few more years. Just kept standing. Just kept standing. Just kept standing. Brother Griggers is in a lonely spot. You know what I believe? I believe that Brother Griggers will wear his armor, and I believe he will stand. I believe he will have faith in God. And the Bible says in verse 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Would you, would you in these last days not fold, not move, not vacillate, but that you would stand with your armor in these last days? Don't be a prisoner of war. Don't be someone who the world looks at and says, mm, you just couldn't take it. I need grace. You need grace. And God has given us the ability and it's the will of God that you stand against the wiles, the schemes. Watch what you think. Watch what you say. Don't give place to Him. When you get mad, Do your very best to ask God to help you. Don't let that anger against a brother or you just hear something that somebody said or done, but you don't know the facts, but you're boiling inside and you've already held court in your mind against them. You're giving place to the adversary. Don't do that. Ask the Holy Ghost to give you some grace and some strength to... Do what Nehemiah did. He consulted with himself before he made a move. Think about it. Let's stand together, please. Father in heaven, I thank you for my church family, and I pray, Lord God, today that you will encourage them. I pray again tonight for Brother Griggers. I pray, Lord, for Brother Elsie as they try to make their move this week. I pray, God, you'd keep them safe. Watch over them, bless them, use them mightily. And thank you, Lord, for the East River Baptist Church family. In Jesus' holy name, amen.